Alrighty. Well, it's actually really good to be back at Refresh. I don't think I have been here for nearly a month. Uh, we'll hear a little bit more about this next week, but um, we've had storm caves and Cambodia trips and, and all sorts of stuff going on, so it's been one, two, three, it's probably been a month since I've been here, so it's great to be back. And it's great to see a whole heap of faces here too, a whole heap of people and just, yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us here at Refresh. So, as I just mentioned before, we've, we've just, we're going to run a, probably a short series and it's going to be a bit disrupted, well, it's sort of, it's sort of related, but next week we're going to um, look at sharing some stories from our Stormco trips and some different things, Cambo trips as well, if you come along um, and hear some of those pretty cool stories. Um, but... We're running a series and it's called Don't Make Me Come Back There. Now, I don't know what comes to mind or comes to your mind when, says, when, some, when you hear those words, don't make me come back there. Uh, Simon and I sat around and, and I guess what we're, looking at, what we're looking at talking about is some of the core values that we have here at Refresh and why do we do what we do. But when I first sort of, I guess, hear that don't make me come back there line, immediately what conjures up in my mind is driving, I'm in the driving, you know, in the driver's seat. There's, uh, it's a long journey, all right. There's a long trip, and I remember when we lived in Melbourne, we used to drive back to my parents up at the near Nambucca uh, Heads, you know, Coffs Harbour Way. It was like 15, 16 hour drive. Um, we'd never stay overnight. It would just be drive straight through, and you know, by about, you know, you got a 15 hour drive. By about half an hour into your trip, the kids are ready, uh, all that sort of stuff, and you sort of, and you know, and sort of that don't make me come back there line is is like, you know, they're whinging and whining and they're like arguing with each other and hitting each other and you, and you, you start flapping around like a bird with a broken wing, you know, they're like, you're thinking, don't make me come back there, kids. And, and then there's always that trick that you have up your sleeve and that's to tap the brakes and they sort of come forward and you can like take care of things. That's always good fun. But, it's not recorded, is it? Um, but what we want to do with this, what we want to do with this series is, is I guess it's a reminder of who we are and what we're doing here. And uh, I, I, I can honestly say I love, I love Refresh and I love, I guess, who we are and that who we are is who you are, who we are as a group. Uh, and as Corb, thanks Corbin for your uh, last minute um, welcome there before wherever you are now. Um, there he is, <laughs> awesome. Um, but, you know, as Corbin mentioned, you know, to be a family, to be a group of believers and that's what church is after all. Church is the group of people. It's nothing to do with the building. It's nothing to do with whether we're inside this building or whether we're outside on the grass or whether we're at a different location altogether. Church is the people. Church is the group of people that make it up and, and it's pretty cool to, um, to have you here and to be part of, um, to be part of that. What we're going to talk about, what I'm going to talk about particularly today, I guess in some ways is for our refresh members is the wrong word, regulars maybe. Uh, in some ways I guess it's aimed or it's, it's focused particularly at those people who, who come in week in, week out, I guess you would say who love being here at Refresh. Now if this is your first time or if it's your second time or you haven't been here that many times, that's cool. I really, really hope that you know, you're, you're feeling pretty comfortable and you can settle in and you, you might be able to listen. And even hearing about who we are here at Refresh may even help you or inspire you to, to like refresh even more and hopefully that you might gain an understanding of why we exist and, and what we're doing here. Uh, and we're going to look at a few Bible texts and a few different things here in a minute uh, that's, gonna, that's sort of going to, I guess, emphasise uh, some of those points. 
Um, but, you know, like for those people who, you know, and there's, been, there's people in this room who have been on our little journey for the last, oh, it's going on 18 months since we first started Refresh, so we're only pretty new still, but we're starting to get a few, I guess, runs on the board, and then there's other people who have come along and have joined us who, are, who, who now love Refresh, who have sort of joined up along the way, and there are probably people here in this room that maybe, yeah, it's only your third or fourth time, or maybe your first time, but you're like, actually... I don't mind what I see and I don't mind coming back and we love you all. Thanks for coming. Uh, that's the first thing. So what we're going to talk, like I said before, what we're going to talk about is I guess it's just a reminder of, of who we are and why we're here because I guess we started this whole project uh, with a really specific target or a really specific purpose in mind and that was not just to start another church, all right? There's like plenty of churches around and that's all, and they're great churches. I was part of one of them, you know, that was all, all real sweet and we were, we were going along fine with that. But, but to start something a little bit different and to try and create a, a community um, where, and excuse me if this is offensive, but where unchurched people love to come, a church for the unchurched, a place where people who don't normally do church, who, who don't normally... Um, go anywhere, don't normally have a faith community, don't, don't have a, a group of people around them that can encourage them in their spiritual walk with God. And, and if I'm being real honest, and I, I guess I'm looking at this through experience, a little bit that I do have, and that is when we don't have a community around us, when we don't have a group of people around us to encourage us spiritually, it's real, real hard to do it by ourselves. And I would nearly say, for all intents and purposes, it's almost impossible. But when we have a group of people around us who we can, you know, we can get up, we can listen to the music, you know, be inspired by that, you know, Steely on there on the bass, you've got the acoustic guitar, someone singing, you know, all those different elements, you've got someone doing a welcome, someone, like just everyone coming together, encouraging each other, plus whatever happens out there with the toaster and the coffee machine and the whatever it is, you know, it's great to do community and it's great to encourage each other in, in a spiritual sense. And, and so that's... I guess what we've tried to create here, we've tried to create an environment where people who may not do church, may not have a faith community, would maybe just be curious enough to peer in and be curious enough to think, oh, that's worth having a look at. And I'd love to maybe get to know those group of people and, and, and see what this God thing is all about. And hopefully we'd be welcoming enough and hopefully you feel welcomed enough you know, when you walk in this door that you are part of our family. That's what we'd love to see. That's what we'd love to continue to achieve. Yeah, not perfect. Go, I know that. You know, and, um, sometimes my sermons might be a bit boring. Or so. I don't know what it is, but you know, like hopefully along the way uh, that you meet Christ in what we do here. And that's, that's our aim. So to start with, I want to, uh, I want to contrast a couple of different scenes for you. Okay, so the first one, and these are two, two biblical scenes and they're in the same group of people. Uh, these are Jesus' disciples. Okay, so now, the first scene is just after Jesus died. A couple of days after Jesus died. Sunday night, in fact. So, so you have this guy, Jesus. Um, you, have, you have this group of disciples. There's 12 officially, and then there's a few other hanger honors and all that sort of stuff. And there's, you know, there's more than just the 12, but there's, there's this basic group of, of, of people that have been following Jesus around. And I want you to think, I want you to try and imagine from those people's perspective, from the disciples' perspective, what it must have been like to be a follower of Jesus, to be hanging around Jesus. So here you have this guy who's just a regular stocko bloke who comes along um, and he starts doing some amazing things. 
he starts cutting loose in his community, he starts like doing full-on miraculous things, miracles, and you're just like, whoa, where, where does that come from? How does he do that? And then you see him and he's just got this authority, he has this, put, even put the miracles aside, he has this like, this, this understanding of, of godly stuff that like, it, no one can match it, it's just like, what is that? And then from a disciple's perspective, he comes up and he says to these guys who are just anybody's and nobody's, just like, just like your average person, just like, like you and me, he just comes up and says, hey, how about you come and hang out with me and I'll show you some of this stuff. And these guys are like, wow. And so for three or so years, these disciples follow Jesus around. They make a few mistakes along the way. Jesus corrects them. Jesus helps them out. Jesus tries to give them an understanding of what, you know, living in the power of God's all about. And they're doing some pretty amazing stuff. And Jesus, Jesus even gives them a bit of a turn. He even sends them out on occasion and says, right, as you all go. You have a shot at doing this. And they start doing some of this stuff. They're tapping into this power from God that, like, it's just no one's ever seen this before. You imagine if that were you. Imagine if that were you. And you were, like, you were given this mandate, this authority to actually to do this sort of stuff. Things are looking pretty decent. And Jesus, along the way, he's rubbing, up, he's rubbing a few people up the wrong way. The Jewish leaders, so the religious leaders, are not real happy with him. All right? So they're, they're getting a bit cranky. But it doesn't matter because he's just got this power and this ability to just to like, you know, wisdom that just cuts these other guys to the core, that just they've got nothing, they've got no com, uh, comeback. And he's, he's given the Romans the authorities a bit of a hard time, but like he just has this power. Like, he's like invincible. And you're hanging out with this guy. Yeah, cool. But then, one Thursday night, they arrest him. These guys come to him in the middle of the night, up in the bush. They take Jesus, they arrest him. And then they have this mock-up, sort of corrupt, hair-going type trial in the middle of the night. And by midday the next day, he's hanging on a cross. He's hanging on this lump of wood out on the hill and he dies. Imagine if you were a disciple. Imagine if you had all this faith. You, you've seen some amazing stuff. You've been there. You've journeyed with Jesus along the way. You know, you've, you've seen people with bad arms all healed up. You've seen people with bad legs. You've seen dead people raised back. You've seen all this stuff. And now it's, the, and now it's Friday afternoon he's dead. And you're just like, what the? What just happened? We've just spent the last three years putting all our, all our, you know, faith and all our time and all our effort into this guy. And now he's like, and now it's just all turned upside down. And come Sunday, and this is where we want to pick up the story, in John chapter 20, uh, verse 19. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the door locked, uh, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, I'll pause it right there, and you can read on, but I'll pause, I'll pause the sentence there. So here we have the first day, so Sunday night, you have these guys locked themselves in a room for fear of the Jews. A few days earlier, go back a week or so, and mate, they, they were invincible. These guys were hanging out with this Jesus character who could do anything. He had the power to do anything. And now they're fearing for their very lives. Now, the, you, imagine, you imagine if you had to, now, probably, I don't, know, I don't know, probably not too many people have ever had to like lock doors because they feel, felt 
truly fearful for their life before. I don't know, maybe there's been one or two in here, but probably, I, I, I don't think I can ever remember a time where it's like, oh, someone's coming to kill me. I've never had that happen, right? Maybe, hopefully you haven't either. But these guys were in a room, they're locking doors, they're like, and Jesus was, Jesus was just taken, Jesus just been killed, there's a good chance we're next. And so they're held up in this room and they're freaking out. They're scared out of their wits. Then we'll finish the text. Jesus came and stood among them. Okay, this is through the locked door thing. So this is like a bit all, mystic, you know, mystical, bit, woo, bit, you know, bit, bit supernatural here. So Jesus just turns up into this room and he's like, well, where'd you come from type thing? So that would have been a bit freaky in itself. Jesus came among them and he said, peace be with you. Scene number one. So these guys, after all this experience that they've had, are now locked up in a room and they were all scared and freaked out. But then Jesus comes in and he says, peace be with you. And now I guess this is a little side note, but... Um, the opposite thing to fear, what's the opposite emotion to fear? Probably peace. You know, Jesus walks straight in and says, peace, hey, it's cool, it's all right, don't, don't panic, guys. But I want to just, I guess, go to that, just before Jesus gets there, that scene just before Jesus turns up when they're all scared, when they're all freaked out. They were with Jesus, he was doing amazing things, but now he's... But now they're all freaked out. And then Jesus turns up. And this is a bit of and this is where it just started to change. This is where things started to turn around. Uh, because they found they saw Jesus. Because they experienced the resurrection of Jesus. Because they realized that this guy was dead. They knew he was dead. And now he's come back to life. And they started to get it. They started to realize slowly, not 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 all not you know instantly, but they, they started to get it. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Uh, we're going to go to the second scene that I want to contrast and compare. And this scene is in... Uh, well, it's, a, it's, about, it's about 50 days later. So it's nearly a couple of months later. So Jesus hung around for about 40 days, the Bible says, in the start of uh, Acts there. Jesus hung around for about 40 days. And then about 10 days later, after that, um, after Jesus went back to heaven, these guys are waiting for something now the bible actually says that jesus jesus tells these guys he says look i just want you to go and i want you to wait i want you to wait for the holy spirit i want you to wait for the spirit of god to turn up and you'll know it when it happens basically and i want you to and, and he says just jesus says just before he left he leaves he says what i want you guys to do is i want you to go in and share this message with absolutely everyone you can find that's what i want you to do and so these guys are waiting. These guys are waiting. And I'll, I'll, Acts chapter 2, and if you've, you've got a Bible, we'll see if we can maybe not throw it up there. But um, in Acts chapter 2, I oh, got it up there, sweet, thanks, guys. Uh, when the day of Pentecost comes, so this was about 50 days after, well, it is 50 days after the, the Passover, which is when Jesus was killed, so this is 50 days later. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So all these disciples and a few, you know, you know extended followers of Jesus they're all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them I'll explain a bit in a minute but we'll just read on now they were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven when they heard this sound a crowd came together and were bewilderment bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. In other words, what happened here is um, we have uh, these guys who are just, they're praying, they're, they're, 
they're asking that God, the Spirit, will be with them. They're like, they're intense. They're like, they're just waiting for something big to happen, and all of a sudden it happens. And it's just like amazing sound. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the disciples once again. And I want you to think about, all right, you've just, to start with, you were freaking out and you're scared. Then you realize that Jesus has come back to life and there's something bigger going on. And, and guess what? You get to be a part of that. And then Jesus says to them, I want, you to, I want you to go and share this message everywhere, but before you do, I just want you to just stop, pause, hang out. I want you to, together, wait for the Holy Spirit to turn up. And then in Jerusalem, there are just people from everywhere. So, okay, so there's people from every nation, all these different languages. Um, for, there's a few of us from, you know, that went to Cambodia last week. Uh, you know, you're over there, you're trying to, you know, you go into a shop and you start pointing and waving money. You know, it's a pretty hard thing for those who've, you know, been to different countries where different languages, um, all that sort of stuff. I'm not talking about New Zealand or, or something like that either, but, you know. Um, but you know what I'm saying, like, you, you, you can know the boat. But these, each of these people started hearing this, these messages because God gave these guys the gift of tongues. In other words, they started speaking it and these guys started hearing it in their own language. Pretty amazing stuff, okay? So here's this another, there's this, they were bewildered, the Bible describes it as. They were amazed. This is like, this is amazing stuff. Um, then we go over to uh, verse 13 uh, of, of Acts chapter 2. I'll miss a little bit in the middle there, but you can read it and get your Bible out, read it for yourself, what happened and exactly how it took place. But I just want to stay with this scene, stay with this picture. Uh, there was a few people that still knocked them, okay? There was a few, there was a few knockers. So in Acts 2 verse 13, uh, it, just, it says, Some, however, made fun of them and said they must have had too much wine. In other words, they thought they were off their nut, all right? They were drunk. They thought they were just like babbling because they're like, hang on. But for whatever reason, however exactly it worked, not exactly sure, but pretty much each of these other people from different places and had had their own uh, native language, they were able to hear it. So they still had their knockers. But then Peter stands up and in, in Acts 2 verse 14, as it, as it just goes on, um, Peter basically stands up and he starts preaching the gospel. And he says there, but then Peter stood up with the eleven, they raised his voice and addressed the crowd, and then he goes on. And he just he rips into saying, this is what happened, this is how it goes. So this is, I guess, like I said, these are the, these are the two scenes, the contrasting scenes. What, the first one is, these group of guys are freaked out, scared for their own life, locked up. Now, something's happened, because now they're prepared to stand up in front of anyone and everyone and say, you know what, there's a message that we want to share. There's something that we want to say here, and they, and they cut loose, and they do some amazing things. Now, I'm just going to go straight over to verse 42. I'm going to read a few more verses, and then we're going to start talking about what that might mean for us. In verse 42... Um, talking about this group of believers once again. It says, uh, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonder and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and everything had everything in common. Selling their possessions and, and goods they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together with the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and gathered with glad and sincere hearts. All right, so they're doing stuff together. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people and the, Lord, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Alright, let's go through this just a little bit slower. Verse 45. Selling the possessions and the goods they gave to anyone who had needs. Now I only come across this the other day and uh, when I was reading through this and looking through this and 
uh, reading through, through a few other things as well. They sold the property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You could probably say this, and we've just, like I said before, we're, backed off on, back, we're just backing up on some storm cow and some service type trips. These guys were doing good deeds. All right? They were good, doing good deeds within their community. They were, uh, they were doing some good stuff. Um, and then if we go on, it says, uh, every, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, ready, with glad and sincere hearts. So they were doing good deeds for others. They were having some good times together. Right? They were sharing the good times. They were, they, were, they were hanging out together. They had it in common. They were doing good stuff for other people. And they were having fun doing it. They were doing it with glad and sincere hearts. They were happy about this. This was, this is good stuff. They were enjoying this moment. They were enjoying what they were doing. Do you understand what's going on here? Good deeds, good times. Praising God, and this is verse next verse. Uh, 47, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Enjoying the favour of the people. Now, if I have a business, if I, if, uh, if I was running my own personal business um, and people like what I'm doing or like what the product that I have, you would suggest that we call that goodwill, right? So, you know, and if you're in business, you know, yeah, there's a certain amount of goodwill and goodwill is a very important thing, okay? It's because, you know, the more goodwill you can have between you and your customers, all that sort of stuff. So these guys... Um, they were enjoying the favour of the people. There was a whole heap of goodwill going on. Good deeds, all right? So they were doing good stuff in their community. They were doing good stuff out there. They were having fun doing it. They are having good times. And now there's a whole heap of goodwill that's happening between them and their, and their community. And the Lord, in the last part of that text, and the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. The good news was shared. Do you get the little formula going on here? Good deeds creates, and having good fun doing it, good deeds creates goodwill. And when there's goodwill within your community, you can share the good news. And that's where I'm going here with refresh. And I guess the challenge I want to start to, to look towards um, for us, and like I said, if this, if this is your first time here, then and you're most welcome to, to lap up and hopefully you've, you've had a few good deeds given to you. You hope you had a good cup of coffee or some toast, I don't know, whatever it was out there, or a good chat, whatever it is. But here we have, here we have these guys doing good stuff. The first thing they're doing, they're getting out and they're doing good stuff in their community. They're doing good deeds, creating goodwill. And then Jesus, and then the, the gospel message people were added to, their added to their number daily. There was the good news that came from that. Now, in any, in any sort of, I guess, particularly church or um, type of organisation, maybe other type of community organisations, but there's often a thing called the 80-20 rule or the 80-20 principle. Um, anyone heard the 80-20 principle before? Anyone? Yeah, there's a few people giving a shy little, yeah, okay, yeah, a few little nods, okay, good, actually, if you're still awake, all that sort of stuff, 80-20. So what's the 80-20 principle? Okay, a little bit of feedback time, okay, time to relax. 80-20 principle, what, I know you, like, I've been chatting, all that sort of stuff, you mightn't feel like breaking the silence, but what's an 80-20 principle, what's that? Okay, 20% doing the work, 80% just show up, yep, probably add to it a little bit further, yes? Okay, 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. 
yep, that's 80%, the 20% are doing 80% of the work, all that. So that's the, that's the sort of principle, okay? So what, basically what we're saying is the minority of people are giving up the major, or giving the majority of, of product or, or production or whatever you might say, okay? And that's, that's sort of like, that's not, just, that's not just in church, that's business, that's all types of things. But quite often, and I don't know, like, for those people who have been a part of other churches or other groups just like this, uh, in the past, quite often, 80% of what's done in a local church like this is done by 20% of the people. And that's often pretty accurate. Um, just saying. Now, at Refresh... Oh, no, I haven't sat down and I haven't gone through like list of names and how much do you do and how many hours do you put in or how much money do you get. I haven't done that, all right? I'm not going to do that either. But, but at Refresh, I would guess that, I would, I would hope that we're probably a little bit better than 80-20, but I still would suggest that we're probably somewhere along the line, the minority still probably do the majority of work or the majority of things within our community. Some people um, uh, like to get really, really involved, and I guess they don't feel like they're, they're enjoying life unless they're really involved. Other people like to just come along and, and be a part of that. And I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not, not pointing fingers at anyone, I don't, hope you don't you know, go out feeling like you've got black eyes and being beaten up, and that's not what it's meant to be. But we just want to look at who, who does what in, in a place like this, and what is the implications? Okay, um, I guess I guess there's two reasons why I'd encourage people to be involved. And, and again, now I'm going to talk, bring it back to Refresh. I'm going to talk about what we do here at Refresh. And again, like if this is your first time and you're thinking, mate, this guy's coming on a bit heavy. No, no, like hopefully you feel real welcomed. Hopefully, like, you know, we are here for those people who come for the first time and the second time and the third time. But there's got to be a point where that turns around and say, all right, we would love you to be involved. And here's there's two reasons why I think it's really important to be involved. One is we get some stuff done, okay? So we'd be able to provide an environment that, that's really cool to be at. So that's the first thing. But probably as important or even more important than that is if you don't get involved, if you don't say, okay, I actually want to be active and actually do something, then you never own it and you never actually... It's never as good. Um, it's, like, it's like absolutely anything. If you, um, if you put in effort and you actually want to make it your own, then you're going to be more likely to enjoy it, you're going to be more likely to own it, you're going to, you're going to have more passion about it, all that sort of stuff. So the first thing when it comes to, to God stuff, if you don't get involved with God, if it's just merely like a, oh, I'll listen to, a, listen to a talk once a week and maybe I'll, if I remember, have a prayer here and there, it's never going to be as meaningful as if it would be if you could actually get out and be really active in what you do. That's, that's just how it works. So I guess I'd ask you, what is your plan? What is your plan when it comes to serving God? And, and maybe even, I'll bring it down a bit more local, what is, it, what is your plan when it comes to Refresh and helping out at Refresh? Now, it sounds like I'm on a recruitment drive. That's not what I'm doing. Um, you know, we talked about that Refresh Outdoors thing. No, it's nothing to do with that, okay? So don't, don't panic. But what is your plan? What is your plan when it comes to, to serving your God and helping out at Refresh. Now, you might think, I don't have a plan. Fair enough, that's okay. Um, and, you, and you might think, well, why don't I have a plan? You think, well, just 
never ever thought about it, you know, like I've never thought about getting involved and I just sort of like turn up and I guess if someone asked me to help out, you know, help put the chairs out or something, whatever, I'm happy to do that but no one ever asks because every time I turn up they're already here so like, you know, you just don't get involved. But if I asked you like, what's your plan? Um, I wonder if you actually think, okay, now I have a specific role that I want to, you know, I have some stuff that I want to do here at, at Refresh. Um, why don't people contribute? There's probably a few reasons why people don't sort of have a plan. Firstly, like I said, maybe you just never thought about it. Well, now you thought about it because we're talking about it, so that's good. All right. Second, maybe why, um, why don't you have a plan? Maybe you've never really just sat down and thought about it. Maybe, maybe, maybe you sort of think, well, maybe I'd rather just do things on, on, the, on the spur of the moment, spontaneously. When people come, you know, if someone asks me to do, a, do something, then, yeah, I'm happy to help out, but I don't really want to take on that responsibility. Uh, maybe, maybe you're too busy. Uh, and I, I guess the problem is if we don't have a plan, and I hopefully you're, staying, you're sticking with me, I'm not getting too confusing, but if we don't have a plan... The problem is, if we don't have a plan, then we always seem to get busy doing the things that just seem to take our time, like work, homework, assignments, or whatever it is. You know, this other stuff seems to just take over. And if we don't have a plan, if we don't sort of step out of our life, then often we, we just get swamped by the other things. And then the things that we really love to do, we don't have very much time at all. And then when it comes to things like, what are we doing for God, then sort of God just gets whatever's left. I mean, you think about this. If we turn this into, like, talking about finances, talking about money. And if, if I said, have you got a budget or have you got a plan on how you spend your money? And if you said no, then, then you could just about guarantee, if you don't have a plan, just about guarantee that, that you're always going to be spending more money than you wish and you're never, probably not going to be able to save any. And when it talks about giving stuff to God, you're thinking, oh, a few coins in the donation box. Like you're thinking, donation box? Does Refresh even have a donation box? I don't know. Do, we, do they even need money at Refresh? I don't know. Um, you're thinking, I haven't seen a donation box. It's at the front door, just in case you're wondering. Um, you're thinking, is there? Really? Really? Is there? Is there? You sure it's there? If we don't have a plan, often it just, life just gets... Do you understand where I'm going with this? When, it talk, when we talk about how can we contribute to our church, how can we contribute to, to what we can do for God, how can we contribute to our God, you know, our refreshed church here, then if we don't have a plan, stuff just happens. And I guess that's why I'm talking about encouraging us to have a plan, encouraging us to get out there and, and do some stuff. I guess there's another reason why people don't, don't have a plan is often they, they feel like, um, they feel like, well, they don't really need us. Like, I'm not really needed. Like, I don't really have a place because I don't really feel like I have anything to contribute because I don't, like, they don't need me. I mean, uh, like, Refresh runs, and if you're not doing stuff at Refresh, then it obviously doesn't need you, right? Okay, so I mean it runs anyway, like, you know, next week we'll, Mick or someone will put some chairs out and Clayton or someone will get up the front and do some music and someone will talk or someone will pray and, and like, do they really need you? And so sometimes you think, well, I don't know if they really need me or and even, and you probably don't want to be part of a church or maybe you don't want to be part of a church that actually needs you. Like, I mean, no one wants someone who's really needy, right? Like, I mean, we're a lot of people who are part of an education system here, you know, you hate those needy kids that are always like, oh, miss, miss or mister, or, you know what I mean? All the teachers just laugh and cack themselves because it's right, you know? No one wants to have, like, needy. No one wants to, have, no one wants to hear Neil stand up the front and go, right, we need you. This church needs you. It can't operate without you. Like, oh, well, back away, way too heavy, you know? This is not what I want. 
But if you don't want to be part of a needy church, or you don't feel like you're needed in a church, then probably what will happen is you'll never help ever at a church that you ever attend, if you know what I'm saying. Like if you can't. There's a, um, probably a little bit of a surprise for you, but God doesn't really, or refresh, I should say maybe, doesn't really need you to help out, to do what we can. If you're, not, if you're not serving right now, then probably we don't really need you. Stay with me, don't walk out just yet. We don't really need you to help out. Because next week, even if you're not helping, if, if you didn't do anything this week at Refresh, or, nothing, or the week before, or you don't usually do stuff, guess what? Refresh is still going to happen anyway. Refresh is still going to... You're going to turn up next week and it'll still be here and you can sit in the same comfortable plastic, hard plastic chair that you're sitting in now. And you can listen to, you know, whatever goes on. It doesn't actually need you. And, and even when it comes to money and stuff like that, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're someone who's like, oh, I've never, even, I've never even put money into the donation box. Like, is, you know, I didn't even know there was one. Like, someone must be paying, I suppose, but they obviously don't need my money, like, or they don't need my effort, they don't need my time, they don't need my skills, like, they don't need me. And you know what? Probably to do what we're doing, we probably don't need you. But wait for this, ready? Let's go back to that 80-20 rule. Let's say, and I don't know, let's, let's say, you know, 80% of the work's done by 20% of the people, all right, let's say at Refresh we're a bit better than that, let's say there's 40% of the people are doing active, you know, really putting in and doing a whole heap of stuff, which is probably closer to the, to the truth. But let's say there's 40% of the people in this room that are actually doing a whole heap of stuff and are making this place work. What if, and this is the bit where I'm hoping you, hoping you get this bit, what if, what if we could double it? What if we could actually get 80% of the people putting in like the other 40% or the other 20% do? What could we do in our community if we could get, if everybody decided, you know what, I mightn't be doing much right now because I don't even really know what to do or I don't even know that they need me. But put needs aside, I'm not here to say we need you or we, you know, we really need this. But I'm talking about this is who we are at Refresh. What we're trying to create here is an environment that unchurched people would love to be at. We're trying to create an environment where we can specifically go to our school community and our wider North Point community and we can say, you know what, we have something pretty special going on here. We have a Jesus Christ who loves us and they can do some pretty amazing stuff and, and we get to share our story. What if, what if it wasn't just the 20% of people who are working real hard? What if that 20% turned into 40% and now we have 40% of the people working real hard and doing some amazing stuff? What if that 40 turned into 80%? What if that 80... What if we could get to 100% of the people? What if everybody who walked in the door, who loved Refresh, okay? I'll give you, we'll give you a couple of weeks grace, okay? If you just visit us, you can come and just sit here for a few weeks. But, but what if you really love it and you think, I want to make this my home? What if every single person who did that said, who, you know, could turn up and actually go, you know what, I'm going to help out. I'm going to try and help make this community something pretty special. Can you see what happens? Like we have, we have, a, we have a good number of people doing some great stuff here at Refresh, no doubt at all. And we're doing some great stuff and I believe, and I've seen God at work and even just, without mentioning too many names, but like, you know, even this Refresh Outdoors thing that just starts to, it starts to evolve because I think there's an amazing ministry opportunity sitting right here in an outdoor ministry at a school. Like, and we've got people who have expertise, we've got outdoors, we've got passionate people, we've got people who love the outdoors. It's like, 
Ben's is just like a, it's just like, it seems to be like a ministry just waiting to happen. And I believe that, I'm not just saying it. What if we could get, what if everybody decided, you know what, I'm going to put in. I'm not just going to leave it to the spontaneous, oh, every now and then I'll feel like if someone asks me to, to do something, I'll do it. And that's cool too, don't get me wrong. But what if we all put in? How much bigger could we make our ministry? How much better could we make our ministry for God? When the disciples, when the disciples got together and they started praying, they started doing good stuff for other people. They were enjoying doing it. They were doing the good deeds. They were creating a whole heap of goodwill in their community and they were bringing the good news to a whole bunch of people. And you know what? I've, firstly, I've seen that happen here at Refresh and it's pretty awesome to be part of. To know that we're part of something bigger, to know that we're actually part of something that God has clearly just had his hand over and that's a pretty cool thing and I'm not, not just saying that for the sake but I mean that like I've seen that and I fully believe that let's keep going like, and I guess the whole refresh you know we talk about refresh it's about growing followers of Jesus that's our vision statement you know refresh is growing followers, followers of Jesus we're here with a specific purpose to actually reach those people in our school community who do not yet know God who do not yet have a faith community, have other people around them that can encourage them to, to come to Christ and to inspire them and to, you know, to, to, to love on them and all that sort of stuff. I'd be, I'd be pretty excited to see, and I already am pretty excited to see the number of people who do stand up here at Refresh and do some amazing stuff. And I'd be pretty excited to see that continue. And, and for anyone else, then you might be thinking, oh, I don't know what to do. That's all right about it come and talk to us about it and we haven't got it all right either sometimes we like mess it up a bit and yeah sorry about that but how do we create that goodwill within our community and it doesn't even have to be an organized thing you know we're all part of our North Point community um, we're all part of this wider community how can we do those good deeds how do we do that good stuff to create that goodwill for those so the good news can be shared Between you and God, no one's going to be like I said before. No one's pointing fingers. But at Refresh, I guess that's one of our values. That's when we want to talk about don't you know don't make me come back there. That whole like let's remember why we exist. Uh, and I think it's an important thing to every now and then to stop and think, hey, why are we here? What is our vision? What is the what is the core? What is our core business? And that's our core business. Our core business is sharing Jesus Christ in a in a way which I think God has given us a special little niche market here at North Point that we can probably do at a refresh level that maybe other people can't just because of our location and, and who we are and the relationship that we have with our, with our school as teachers, as parents, as students, as whoever. Let's see God at work. Let's, let's get together with a common cause, with a common purpose. And these guys were in prayer, they were like meeting together, they were meeting together, they were praying together and they were saying, right, oh God, what is it that you want us to do? And they saw some pretty amazing stuff. We've already seen some amazing stuff. And I think there's a lot more stuff that we can, that we can experience and be a part of and that we will see uh, when we continue to do that. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so very much that you are part of Refresh, that you have inspired a truckload of people already to put in a huge effort. And sometimes it even seems a bit overbearing. You know, It's like, wow, I don't know if I can keep this up forever. And, and sometimes we... we um, 
we strain under the load a bit, I guess. But I pray that we can all maybe, uh, I guess, challenged by your spirit to, to step up for you, to actually go, you know what, this is something I'm ha- I want to plan for. This is not something I just want to do haphazardly in my life, but it's something that I want to make a real conceited effort to, to make happen. And, and, and I pray that you can inspire each individual as you need to and as, as each person is gifted in different areas. It's not, it's not a prescription of what we should do, but it's just, Lord, I guess inspire us to take action wherever um, it is that you've placed that on our heart to do. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for this wonderful place, and I pray that we continue to bless our community around us um, in, a, in a big way. Thanks, Lord. Amen.